Hey, it's Charlie's party. Hey, Bill. Hi, Dale. We talk about various pieces of media. We missed the first time around. Yeah. This time, it's still kind of spoopy around here. Yeah, well, just yeah, just like how we started October uh, a little early, but by talking about uh, Japanese horror manga. Uh, mm-hmm. This week, we're extending October a little uh, a little bit by talking about one more. Actually, it's very specifically an October movie, so we're kind of messing in this yeah. up by uh, talking about this in November. But I didn't know it was specifically yeah. for October. I mean, although it's still autumnal, no. so it's not completely wrong, but still. Uh, we are. Yeah. What, what are we, this is your pick this week. What are we talking about? Something wicked this way comes. I bit my tongue. <sighs> not the uh, not the original Ray Bradbury book, but no. the 1983 movie adaptation with uh, Jonathan mm-hmm. Price mm-hmm. and um, who's the guy? Who's the guy? The guy. The old guy. The, the dad. Guy? J- yeah, Jason guy. Robards. Yeah. Whenever I've ever seen any Jason Robards in anything. Since seeing bits and pieces of this on HBO as a kid, I've always just thought, mm-hmm. oh, hey, it's just something wicked. It's the dad from the spooky thing. Um, it's the dad from the spooky thing. And man, so had, what did you know? Well, what got you picking this? And what did you know about this before watching it? Um, I didn't know a ton about it. I caught, a, like, I would always catch, I don't know how, but I'd always catch the ending on TV oh, yeah? back when I was a kid. I never saw I the ending. Was, yeah. I always saw the ending, and I always, I knew my dad kind of liked the book, I think, if I remember correctly, but I know he would talk about, I mean, my mom would talk about how dark the movie was compared to, like, for a Disney movie. Yeah. I had no idea this was a Disney movie. Yeah. I only saw bits and pieces on HBO as a kid, and so I had no idea who made it or where it came from. I always thought it was like, oh, this is kind of a spooky movie without being an outright horror film. Yeah, it's been on my list for a while, I just... Yeah. I hadn't gotten around to it. No, no, like I said, this is a good time of year to do it. Um, and I, even then, even the movie specifically takes place very late in October, so we're not off that much. We're as we're no. recording this, it's just the first week of November, twenty eighteen. So, um, so the world yeah. still looks autumnal and golden. And everything hasn't quite gotten super dank and gray and and rain soaked yet. But as mm-hmm. uh, Portland or the Pacific Northwest in the fall is is, is likely to do. I'm sorry, cat, cat snuck up on me trying to grab my ass. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have very needy cats. Um, okay. But yeah, so there's just a, it's a movie. This is. Um, do you just want to just dive, dive right into it? Hey, we could do that if you want. Oh, okay. That's uh, spoopy music with spoopy bloody font and a spoopy train. Oh yeah, it's something spoopy. This way comes. <laughs> This movie's got good-ass music. It's got... I guess there's a whole thing about this movie. Um, I guess after it was finished, it tested terribly. And mm. so Disney took it away from the director, handed it to another editor. They chopped the shit out of this movie, came back, refilmed a couple scenes. That's why... Uh, there's a spider scene, like, in the latter half of the movie, where the kids yeah. are suddenly a year older? <laughs> And yeah, that's they, why they when they scream, they're all. Ah. Uh, <laughs> they kind of threw me. I thought it was a bad looping, but no, it's because they hit puberty and they're like, "Oh no, spiders are gonna get us." 
<laughs> and uh, one of the major... <laughs> if I had a dad, he'd kill me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I guess one of the major changes Disney decided to do is... Uh, I don't know what was, the, what was the problem with the original score, but they got rid of it. And uh, mm. replaced the original score with... Uh, a brand new original soundtrack by James Horner, who is one of my favorite musician dudes from Hollywood. He did the music for Star Trek 2 and 3 and Aliens and Titanic and Willow. And he died a couple years ago because he crashed his plane. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's a really good score. This whole movie just aesthetically is really, really nice. It's a terminal shit. Yeah. But yeah, just even the opening shot of uh, the train kind of slowly making its way towards you it's like i guess literally it's the wicked thing that is coming uh yeah with the bloody red font and everything like that it's cool it is cool it's spooky mm-hmm. it's october in the movie which it, the the narrator who i guess is will it describes it as a rare month for boys and I, I don't know what that, that means, is ray it's... bradbury have you ever tried to read any ray bradbury stuff no but i listened to about uh, where was I at? I was about an hour. I had an hour left of the audiobook of this. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But and it was a nine, nine or nine or eleven hour long audiobook. Yeah, I mean, it's not a super long book, book but, but yeah. But he is, he loves words. Purple prose <laughs> up the ass. He's always just yeah. like, he's not so worried about the literal meaning of some phrases as much as just kind of what it evokes. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, like a rare October, a rare month for boys. Like that Shadows doesn't mean are anything. And stuff. Yeah, and, okay. and he's always so hung up on little boys and the magic they have, and they're so warm blooded. And he never says yeah, anything there's... about what he thinks about girls or anything like that. But it's always like uh, there's a couple lines in the books that let you know what <laughs> oh, he thinks yeah? about girls. <laughs> yeah. The majestic mosquito bites were calling to the young yeah, hot blooded boys. A... There's a line where, like, they're all up in the middle of the night, and he's talking about how the dad was up, and just, women don't have that problem. They never get up in the middle of the night. They sleep like babies. Yeah, it's he like, has this weird gender thing weird. about... <laughs> and again, okay. I, don't think, I don't think he means to be making blanket statements about how women or, or men act, but it's just yeah. this weird evocative thing he's trying to do. Um, yeah. I read a big chunk of his book... Uh, Dandelion Wine, which is all pretty much almost the same thing where, uh, actually, in fact, a lot of people consider Something Wicked This Way Comes to be kind of a thematic sequel to Dandelion Wine, because whereas Something Wicked This Way Comes is all about autumn and spookiness and death and stuff, uh, Dandelion Mm -hmm. Wine is all about, like, this eternal summer for these, like, two 12-year-old boys, and they're pretty much the same characters from this movie, but they're just, like, like, just, like, watching the clouds in the middle of, like, an, like, an, like an August forest and shit like that. But the whole book, there's barely any plot, the whole book is just, like, and the thrumming of the clouds in their eyeballs, these harrowed 12-year-old <laughs> boys of Thunderdom. It's all very, yeah, purple and very, very romantic. And it's all, yeah, not much plot as much as it's just, uh, uh, uh scene decorating. Yeah. scene setting yeah so and that's the whole opening of this this movie the narration and stuff i guess ray bradbury considers this the most successful adaptation of any of his works um mm. which i guess is helped by the fact that he also wrote the screenplay for this movie so yeah, at least it was in capable hands if if you're just talking about translating ray bradbury's words to the screen but yeah i like the i like this the story in the this version better than the the audiobook what i read i had to look up the it synopsis for the book to kind of make sense of the ending a bit more 
Yeah. But it sounds like the, the overall, like, the basic brushstrokes are pretty much the same. Like, they're pretty much the same basic characters and stuff. It sounds like a little a couple more fucked up things happen to some of the characters in the book, but... Yeah. Sounds pretty close, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's Will. He was 12 at the time, and some dude selling lightning rod headed towards town. And now here's your list of characters. The cigar <laughs> shop owner, he he loves the fuck out of money. The barber is horny as hell. Yeah. Oh my gosh, he is so thirsty for women you wouldn't believe it. And here's Ed the barman. He used to be a football player, but now he only has one arm and one leg. I don't know that how dream's... he works as a barman with like half a body. Like, like <laughs> that, I guess he needs everyone that to dreams... like... Yeah. That dream is dead, so he, but he Al Bundy's it and won't shut up, up about his high school days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he can't, like, bring booze up from the, the, the cellar up to the shop. I mean, it's interesting, too, because it looks like they actually got a real um, uh, disabled person to play that character. It's not just someone with, like, their arm tied behind their back and their leg tied behind their back pretending to be missing limbs, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. And here's their teacher, Miss Foley. And the movie tries to tell you that she used to be super hot. That's bullshit, movie. This is one you of those could, things you where, like... <laughs> this is, You like... could have at least cast an actress who looked like she could pass for hot at some point in her life, and not one that looks like Wallace Shawn yeah, dressed as a woman. This woman looks like the picture that Jim Nightshade is drawing of her, where she just looks like a skull. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And it's funny, later on in the film, when she does transform, you're like, yeah, no, that's, that's not how human beings work. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> that's like Donald Trump trying to tell you look, you still look like George Clooney until 10 years ago. Like, no, that's not, yeah. Mm, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And then there's Jim Nightshade, his best friend, his blood brother, his shadow. Yeah. I, I know the thing in the book is uh, Jim Nightshade was born a minute after uh, midnight on Halloween morning, and uh, the main kid, Jim Holloway? Will. Will, Will Holloway. Jim was born yeah. uh, a minute before midnight on Devils. So they were born two minutes apart, but, like, on either side of the Halloween divide. And yeah. so Jim Nightshade is like, yeah, his... And I do appreciate, they don't necessarily mean to say that he's inherently evil, but he's just <laughs> the dark doppelganger to Will, which I appreciate. It's not like they're trying to make it seem like he's inherently uh, awful. He's just, you know, he's just... you know, It's, it's more of a yin and yang thing rather than a good versus evil no, kind it's, of thing. No, it's a lot like... Uh... Me and me and my best friend growing up, where he he wasn't a bad kid, yeah. but he would do he just like Sega. Do the, no, no, no. Well, no. Um, he <laughs> I want to remake this movie where it's Sega and Nintendo kids, and suddenly the TurboGrafx-16 salesman comes to town. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, he was the kind of kid that would do something dangerous, and I'd be like, "You probably shouldn't do that. That's dangerous." Yeah. And he'd be like, ah, yeah. what do you knows? And then he'd do it, and he'd get hurt, and he'd be like, "Why did you stop me?" The kind of kid that would burn off his eyebrows and knuckle hair because he put too much lighter fuel on the barbecue. This is starting to sound more like stupid versus smart rather than dark versus light. <laughs> but yeah. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, but yeah, yeah more <laughs> daring kind of dynamic. I guess. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully, so, this town only has like three people in it, so you, it doesn't take yeah. too long to meet all the major adults in, in this. No, city. they they were in detention for whispering the monsters yeah. in her class, and. uh... He hides the drawing in his desk, and as she walks up, she'll never think to look there. Yeah. He could have tucked it into one of his books as they left or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and then they leave detention. They're free to go. And Yay. Whimsical, whimsical music plays. Boys being town. boys and free. Oh, and oh, we're so 10 boys. years old. It's 1922. We're doffing our caps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're going to go on a squishy bender. 
Yep, they, they, they uh, pass the lightning rod salesman who's talking to a group and says that some people suck electricity in it like a cat does a baby's breath. And oh right, that used to be a thing that old-timey people used to believe because they were all fucking idiots. Yeah, well that's another thing between Ray Bradbury, his purple prose, and also him being born in 1892. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's some fucking Mr. Smithers fucking, or not Mr. Mr. Burns quality old timey shit going on in the story, in yeah. both the, the 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 book and the the movie version. But, um, yeah, old shit. Also, yeah. like speaking of old shit, was like traveling lightning rod salesman people a thing? I don't know. Especially this guy. Isn't isn't his name like Rod Thunder? Mr. Um... Anger or something like that. <laughs> That's I love man Bradbury's character names are so fucking great. It's no, it's like Tom Fury, I think. Yeah, it's Tom Fury. Yeah, and he's and yeah, he's just he's just selling lightning rods, which I, I always imagine lightning rods being more technical, but what he looks like he's just selling is just iron shovels with decorative bits on the end. Yeah. So, I don't know, but yeah. That's all it takes. <laughs> Oh, and, and, and Tom Fury, he's you, you this doesn't mean anything to you. He is played by Grandpa from House 2, the second story. Which... <laughs> that does not make sense to me. <laughs> that movie is terrible, but I have fond memories of seeing it when I was like 12, rented on VHS, and his voice sounded super familiar, and I think he was also a voice actor sometimes in the 80s and 90s too, but... Well, yeah. he, he was in Killer Clowns from Outer Space, yeah, the he, right stuff. He's been in a lot uh, of stuff, yeah. Even if you don't recognize this guy's face, you've probably seen him and heard him in something eventually, but yeah. LBJ, the early years. Oh, everyone loves that. That was my favorite cartoon. <laughs> that, that, and the X Men animated series. I was drove yeah. me nuts when both of the, L, that and LBJ, the the early years, were on the same time on Fox Kids. Mm hmm. So the boys go and see Will's dad at the library. He's old as fuck. You can't believe how old he is. How? Because Jason Robards is like 80. <laughs> when did he conceive this 12 year old boy? And, and I don't know his age in this movie, but he's he's in the book. He's like fifty four. I did the so he's math. So old. I think Jason Robards was sixty when they filmed this. Mm. So that's not too crazy. I mean, I'm forty two, so that'd be like if I had just conceived a child. Because like, yeah, that kind of suggests that Jason Robards was. No wait, they have to be forty eight. Because if he's got a twelve year old boy. Yeah, that's still pretty. Well, if he's only fifty four, but still, yeah, that's especially for like. 1814 uh, or whenever the hell this movie's taking place. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> I'm gonna keep on going back well, in time every time I try to pick when this movie takes place. By the end of this movie, yeah. I'm gonna be like, back in Egypt times when, <laughs> when something <laughs> uh, wicked this way comes to place. Then the movie lets you know Jim's dad's in Africa right now. He'll be back any time now. Well, that's what Holy Jim says, because, yeah, someone yeah. brings up his dad, and he's always like, yeah... My dad wrote me a letter. He's gonna bring me back a parrot and a head, a shrunken head, and a necklace of teeth. And Will and his dad are both like, yeah, kid, okay, whatever. <laughs> Presumably well, Jim they... just says this every fucking day. Yeah. Yeah. Once they leave the library, Will lays some truth on him, and he's like, who are you kidding? Your father doesn't write you. And then Jim says, "It's be that's better than a father who's afraid. Is it, Jim? <laughs> Is it, Jim? At least, you're, at least the dad who's afraid is doing something. In fact, you, yeah. your dad might be afraid. You wouldn't know because he's gone and you haven't seen him since you were two. Yeah. And they never Will set says... up. So, it, actually, I didn't put two and two together until just now. So, is 
if even if Jim is all like, "Oh, your dad's afraid," did the story of what happened with Jim's or with Will's dad not saving Will get out, and now like he's known as the town coward or something like that? I don't know. That's weird. I thought at the beginning of the movie, before I knew about that story about the backstory for uh, Will's dad, I assumed that was just some kind of weird, like prosaic weirdness that Jim was saying. I didn't realize he may have been referring to a specific event about. Uh, Will's dad being a, a scaredy cat, but, yeah, no, no. but it doesn't matter because yeah, at least <laughs> at least Will's got a dad. That's all it boils down to. Well, yeah, Will says he's just a bit old. That doesn't mean he's afraid. And Jim is like, doesn't it? No, it, no, Jim, it doesn't. Jim. And Will Will was like, yeah, well, my father's here. Yours is never coming back, is he? And Jim's like, one day you'll see. Yeah. You'll okay. See. Greatest way yeah. for kids to end any argument is you'll see. Yeah. Once they get home, the lightning rod. Dude manages to sell a lightning rod to Jim because yeah. he's easily swayed by the old man telling him, "I oh, I talked to your father, huh?" And he's like, "I'll go talk to my dad for you." And Jim's mom is like upstairs petting a cat, and I guess she's neurotic or something like that. They really don't flesh her out in the movie. Well, yeah, he goes in her house, and his mom's just sitting on her bed in a frilly, froofy robe, holding a cat, being all ooh la la, and she can't be bothered to feed him, and tells him just to eat a ham out of the ice. That box. yeah, no. So Jim just so, raises like they've got a little coffee tin with like a buck and, and like a dime in it, and he comes yeah. out and uses that. He yeah, he buys like a scarab beetle lightning rod from mm -hmm. the lightning rod salesman. Yep. And elsewhere, the dad locks up the library and goes to buy a cigar, and then. The store clerk reminds you that he loves money, playing the numbers. I and mean, he's gonna win. He's gonna win big someday, and then it won't be ten dollar, ten cent cigars for them, no sir. Yeah. It'll be the big imported Havana specials, rolled in the plump, smooth thighs of Cuban ladies. That phrase gets I'm used. I'm sorry, a excuse times. me. What? <laughs> I had to rewind it to go like, did I just interject? Did my porn brain part of my brain kick in <laughs> while I was watching this movie, and I'm just like. Seeing, hearing we're, things I want to hear, because that phrase gets used a couple times too. It's not just like one off. Like, wow, okay, I never thought about plump Havana girls' thighs, but yeah, I guess you're not did, wrong. Did, but the cigars used to get ro rolled on thighs. It's, I, I, I wouldn't say no to a cigar though, but I guess maybe. <laughs> I, I guess the idea because of the exotic nature, because it is such a weird idea that's supposed to be the the appeal of it. But yeah, it's such an arbitrary thing though. You're like, wait, what? Um, yeah. And also, like, each of these characters really only gets one scene to establish their character before we see them being transformed later. So I guess they kind of yeah. have to milk everything for their worth when they show up. And also, I just yeah. realized, you've never seen, uh, um, uh, God, what's the perennial Christmas favorite? Uh, um, not Some Like It Hot. <laughs> a not, Christmas story? A, not a Christmas story. What's the one with the guy who goes back in time? Jimmy Stewart. Oh, I've seen that. It's a Wonderful Life. He works yeah. at a, uh, like, a five-and-dime shop where they also have, like, a cigarette lighter, just like this. So it just reminded me that mm. it's, like, I guess that was a big thing in the 1920s. Uh, like, where yeah, you go get you a cigar, they would your, have a... When you want to burn down your store, what better way? <laughs> just have an open, permanent flame at your kiosk, yeah. I guess. Constantly yeah. leaking gas. But, yeah, so Jason Roberts buys a cigar and just, yeah, this greedy motherfucker then, is just, like, trying to eat money. Yeah, and then the barber next door is like, hey, fucking Holloway, you smell that? Ladies, elegant ladies, beautiful ladies. We're gonna have visitors. Oh, fuck, I'm so horny. You think I'm wearing... Why do you think I wear this apron? You thought it was because I was a barber? Nah, I like to... I have to hide my constant erection I get from thinking about ladies. He points at the sky, screams, there's pussy in the air, 
and then he turns to Jason Robar and says, "Hey, you want to see me make a circus tent?" And then his and then his barber's bib just goes, "What?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then the, the the dad goes into the bar and the barkeeper's like, "Fuck, it used to be great. Four touchdowns in just one game." Yeah, and he's and just it, like, "Yeah." Before, presumably, he lost his limbs in World War One. I. I do like they never really say, say what happened, but yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and then, also, uh, I guess the town mm. doctor is, is there, and he's all like to Jason Robar, like, hey, you know, you got a weak ticker, you're only allowed one glass, one shot from a uh, crippled dude, and only one cigar, because otherwise your heart's going to explode. Jason Robert's like, yeah, <laughs> That's whatever. how that works. Yeah. And, uh, so else, elsewhere back at the houses, uh, Jim puts up his lightning rod on the chimney. He's just nailing it to the chimney. Like, again, yeah. I thought there was more of a thing to installing a lightning rod than just nailing I'm a shovel to your sure chimney. I'm sure there is. I think it's supposed to go all the way down to the ground. I'm yeah. not, sh- I'm not 100%. I'm that, sure if you're know. old and, like, Mr. Burns, you would see the scene and go, Oh, kids, look at them. Mm. They don't know how to properly install a lightning rod. But, yeah. you know, of course, anyone born after, like, 1940 is all like, oh, I don't understand anything about this. <laughs> like, what? Well, well, no. So, uh, Will joins him up there because their houses are kind of connected on, like, the second story or something weird. Sons, were their parents swingers together? Because they were born on the same night. And they literally lived next to each other where their bedrooms are connected by the branches of, like, an elm tree. And, yeah, yeah it's, a little, it's a little cozy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of yeah. existence they have together. Yep. Yeah. So, uh... And while that's happening, Jason Robart... An ad, well, an ad for a carnival blows up to them, and it's tomorrow. Get hype. Yeah. And then Dad's walking home, and he also finds one and sees a man all in black on the other side of town, just square, just throwing him in the round. Yeah, it's Mr. Dark. We don't know it yet, but we just then. see him from behind. And it's yeah. funny, because they only have the town square as, this, as you know, the, the set for the town. And so Jason Robart has to keep on walking in front of, like, the same, between the same two uh, corners to pretend, like, because like, I'm walking home, I'm still walking home. It's five hours <laughs> later, I'm still walking home. Like, no, you've been walking in circles for the last three scenes, buddy. But, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so sees... he yeah, he sees it's it's Mr. Dark's pandemonium circus is coming to town. Yeah. He also sees a lady encased in ice, but when he rubs his eyes, it turns out it was just this a coffin. Is... So I guess this is just the coffin shop in town? Because yeah, it's, it's yeah. not part of the circus. It's just, like, one of the windows. Like, it's, like, between uh, the library and the cigar shop. There's just the coffin shop. But, yeah, the coffin, uh, and a couple times in this movie, just magically turns from a coffin to a block of ice with a blue lady with a red uh, glowy ring yeah, inside. I'm not, not going to say the phrase, in the book, a lot. But in the book, like, they used the lady frozen in ice to advertise the circus. Saying uh, that, like, the most beautiful woman of the, in the world is frozen inside of it, and we're gonna thaw her out. Oh, uh, so Ray Bradbury just really like likes that. the image, so he'll squeeze underneath it, though it doesn't make sense the way it's yeah. the story's been pared down, yeah. So at home, Dad's joking about the winds, and Will asks him, what, have you, what you got in your hand? You got something in your hand? And it's the crumpled up ad for the carnival, and he's like, nah, it's nothing. And throws it into the flyer, into the fire, and I'm not sure why is he trying to keep the knowledge of the carnival from his son? I, mean, I guess he on, knows carnivals are bullshit. I mean, later on, they, they do suggest that there was some knowledge in this town that there is this carnival that shows up every once a generation to fuck people up, but, like, it doesn't seem that, like, anything suggests that Dave, Jason Robards knows exactly this is that carnival, or, like, maybe he just... <laughs> I don't know, he just... Maybe he's just salty about his kid being young and having fun. He's just like, fuck it. If 
I can't yeah. go have fun at the carnival, neither can you, kid. Not that like, he, not that he's even trying to bar his kid from the carnival, but he's like, eh, fuck, you're gonna find out about it anyway. I just gotta throw this thing in the fucking fire. Fuck you, kid. I don't know. Yeah, there's a storm coming. He feels restless, so he goes back to town to fuck around at the work. Okay. <laughs> oh, is this also the scene even before that? He's is that when he talks about one of the lions got loose out from out in front of the li- library? Yeah, is walking so around windy. even though we saw him leave the library earlier and that obviously did not happen. But yeah, yeah I because guess he patted it on the head as he left. Yeah, even though this library, like this town's got like twelve people. <laughs> Fathers never joke around like without like a kid. <laughs> <laughs> That's true too. Uh, this library—it's got like twelve people in it. It's probably got no more than one hundred and fifty books. He, for some reason, he's always working there until three a.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, lightning rod dude also sees the lady in ice in town. The door is open to the the, the coffin store, and he goes in because he's horny too. There's no signage even suggesting it's like a funerary shop or anything. It's just yeah. a coffin store. It's so random. Mm-hmm. And her eyes open. Oh, oh no. no! Do you know who's playing the the the? Was it the Dust Lady? The Dust Witch. The Dust Witch. That is Pam Greer. Oh, it sure oh, is. Who would later end up in Jackie Brown? And before this, it appeared in a mazillion black exploitation movies. And yeah, it's nice to mm-hmm. see her and stuff. But yeah. And the evil train from the opening is headed towards town. Choo choo. Yeah. <laughs> um. Both kids, they sneak out to go see the train arrive at the same time? Mm-hmm. Okay, because there's a thing later where Jim well, tries to yeah, ditch Will, but... They they look at the windows at each other, because their windows are directly across from oh, each other. Oh, yeah. And, and Jim's like, the carnival, it's here! And Will's like, in the middle of the night? And Jim responds, hell yeah! I wasn't <laughs> expecting that in a Disney Fuck movie. Fuck, yeah, he gives the devil horns, <laughs> and he's just like, yeah! It turns into Jack Black for a second. Oh, I yeah. see. And so they go to see the train arrive. The train's empty, though. There's nobody in the passage carriers or anything like that. And this is a little bit of a non sequitur. As the train passes, the camera just suddenly cuts to two statues who suddenly kind of like get thawed in, in carbon. Well, it blows, it blows its whistle, which hurts their ears, and the statues kind of like crack and glow, yeah. and that's it. I no didn't realize as they leave, though, you can see there's a couple gravestones behind them, so their statues... They, the, the movie doesn't give any any context to why the statues are suddenly there. I guess it is insinuated that they're supposed to be like at the edge of a, a cemetery or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they run along the tracks, catch the carnival. It's all set up and ready to go. That was very fast. They poke did, around. Did says, you see it in the trivia about this movie? There was supposed to be more about the setup. Yeah, but yeah. it was. It looked so bad. They were like, eh, no. They tried. I guess. Uh, well, this is Disney, and it's just a year or two after Tron came out, and so I guess they were like. Well, this computer effects were good enough for Tron. Maybe we can try to use that on this new Something Wicked This Way Comes movie, and we'll try to, like... It, it will, this is going to be the first attempt to, like, recreate organic real-world objects using CGI, and so there's supposed to be a thing of, like, the smoke would billow out of the train, and that would turn into the circus tents, and, like, there was going to be a spider web that turns into the Ferris wheel, but it was all... It, I, they did it. It was all CG, and I guess it was in the film until just, like, a week before the movie came out. Disney went, oh my god, this looks fucking terrible. We gotta cut this shit out. Mm. And so, <laughs> yeah, so in the finished film, it's just very rough. Suddenly, there's just circus. Yeah, which works it's fine. It's fine, yeah, you're not really missing anything. I mean, no. I could say I would be much more evocative if you saw, like, the, the circus, like, slowly come together out of, like, scary shit, but, like, eh, whatever. Yeah. That's not the point. Yeah, what you got. Yeah, no. Movies, you, got, you gotta keep moving the plot forward. Yeah, they poke around because they're old-timey kids, and being Snoopy's what they do. Yeah. 
they go into a cobweb covered uh, trailer car and look at some old photos as the lady from the watches them from the darkness a spider touches them they scream and run the fuck out of there as a calliope music plays i do like it's just the touch of a spider it's not like anything f- uh, supernatural's happened yet yeah no and then uh back in town the dad sees some broken glass where the lady was ice lady was or maybe it's broken ice it's unclear yeah and there's only a red her red ring there and some, i guess some crumple strands of hair it's I, very spooky yeah i get the feeling there may have been more here that got cut out in editing too because there's some connective tissue that feels like it's missing just a bit yeah, yeah. he goes home finds will sitting on the stairs he can't sleep and the dad says he thought he heard a train, but who would come through at this, this time of year? Prepare like, to turn your sound up on your TV, because this entire... <laughs> it's like a 15-minute conversation that is whispered so quietly. I had to blast my fucking TV. Especially Jason Robards is very much like... You know, he's acting very naturalistic, but he's just like, Hey, what are you doing? Whereas the kid's like, Dad, what do you think about Vietnam? And Jason Robards <laughs> is, you know, like, actually whispering, but yeah. Yeah, Will's like, couldn't be a carnival, could it? Carnival in October in this town? You wouldn't have happened to see any scraps of paper about a carnival, would you? Huh? A carnival? A scrap of paper? Jason Robards, let's change carnival. the conversation. Let's talk about the time you almost died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then it's... I do like the kid's like, I gotta go sleep. Well, his dad's like, it's 3 a.m. They call it the soul's midnight. It's when old people die. Hey, this dad, is... you're old. That's cool. Why? It's interesting because they talk about like, he does have to clarify it's old people, and that actually he's very touchy about old people stuff because he's old and he's very you know self self super aware about that stuff, and so he wants to change the conversation from he kind of embarrasses embarrasses himself in the middle of the conversation, which I thought was kind of an interesting touch, but it is also just an excuse for him just to say purple prose. Like again, a, co- a conversation that ever happens in real life because everyone just is talking like Ray Bradbury. Yeah. He's like, hey, at some point we gotta talk about what happened when you were little. And Will's like, hey, it's late. I gotta go. How often is Jason Robart trying to bring I think my dad's calling me. I'm sorry, Dad. I gotta go. My real dad. My not my <laughs> old dad. Not not Grandpa Dad, but real dad. Mm-hmm. So that ends. The next day they run to the carnival. But it's just an average boring carnival. It is they very... Did it, yeah. They, they say that, but like something extremely magical happened the lax night. And aside from it just popping it up suddenly, they didn't see anything fantastical there. Yeah. And the, But the, the the barkeeper hits the strong bell thingy-ma-bobber hammer thing. Yeah, that actor it does it pretty goddamn well for only having one arm and one leg. Yeah. The bark, uh, that he he wins a free pass there, a fantastic mirror maze. And I bet he, that yeah. place isn't evil at all. And the guy who gives it to them is like Bobo Jeffrey Jones. He's like this, like <laughs> Jeffrey Jones's older, fatter, balder brother, <laughs> like with yeah. red hair. Is all like, and he he gives the ticket over so evilly. He's like, oh, mm. Mister Handicap Man, would you like a free ticket to our magic carnival mirror maze? And the guy's like, okay, that sounds good. And, like, this guy's so... It's just... Did you ever see the episode of Rick and Morty? Have you watched Rick and Morty? I hate even bringing up Rick and Morty. Um, it's good. It's overblown. It's terrible. Like, if its fans are terrible, but it is a funny show. There is an episode of Rick and Morty, which is essentially just tearing this whole kind of premise apart. Um... 
in Rick and Morty, there's this, the devil shows up in the town where everyone in Rick and Morty lives, and he opens up a shop. It's, it's, this is riffing off the Stephen King book Needful Things, which everyone says is a ripoff of this story. Uh, the devil shows up, and he opens up a shop, and, and everything in the shop uh, calls out to people who live in the neighborhood. And, of course, people in the neighborhood, they, like, like, they want to buy the things from the shop. But, you know, like, there'll be, like, you know, like a track runner who, like, oh, it's a pair of shoes that'll make you run super fast, but at the cost of you'll never be able to stop running and stuff like that. And in the Rick and Morty cartoon, uh, Rick and, or, uh, Dr. S- was it Rick? Is, is the scientist yeah. guy? I'm explaining this terribly. He sees through the devil's thing, and he, so he, he builds a shop across the street that just takes the evil curses off of all the evil objects that the devil is selling. And so, mm. like, the person who buys those shoes that let them run forever... Like, they can just well, let, let, let them run super fast. They can just now run super fast without, you know, you know there, there, there's no drawback. There's no monkey's paw drawback to the thing. And so, yeah. <laughs> but the whole first half of the episode is just setting up. The devil looks pretty much just like Doc, Mr. Dark in here, and he's all like, Ooh, would you like uh, whatever object? And it's just like, yeah, Rick just shows up. It's like, like we know, we get it. There's going to be, like, whatever thing you're trying to sell anyone here is going to have some kind of fucking drawback. We get it. And uh, so it's kind of funny to see something like this. After watching that episode, because everyone, of course, everyone's, you can totally see how this carnival's gonna try to, like, twist people from every, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's very transparent, but what are you gonna do? Yeah. Anyway. In the mirror, he's got both arms and legs again, it's fucking magic. Oh, and no. Will looks at it and is like, that shit's evil, yo, I ain't going It's in. interesting, because it's not like he's suddenly transformed to have both, both of his limbs back, it's kind of like the mirror of Arisid in Harry Potter. Which I, I don't know why I'm bringing that up because you don't care about Harry Potter, but he that just gets to see an idealized version of himself, and then he goes into the maze. And I guess presumably he gets transformed when he's in the maze. I don't know. We don't I see guess. it. He comes Maybe. back later though. He's got know. all of his limbs though. Yeah, but he's also a child. Oh yeah, that's right. And so their ugly sense. teacher comes out of the in a daze. And is like that shit was off the chain, but time to go home. My nephew's coming. Yeah, it's a little confusing because I so I guess she saw. I guess that mirror, the mirror maze shows people what they want to be, but mm-hmm. then you have to go to the merry-go-round to actually get it done. I guess. I guess. Uh, so, so Jim's like, hey, those mirrors seem fucked up, especially uh, for somebody who's got a face like hers. <laughs> Jesus, Jim. <laughs> you <laughs> the- fucking asshole. And elsewhere, the horny barber's getting his fortune read by I'm Pam watching Greer. now, and he is and vibratingly he is, sweaty. I, he is sweaty as balls, and she's like, you're real horny. You need to get laid, man, so go go get him. It's great, because, like, yeah, Pam Greer, she's dressed like a fortune teller with, like, black lace on her face and stuff, and she's you can barely actually see much of her face. You can see she's super hot, but you don't really get the beat on, like, what her body type is or anything like that. But yeah, it just cuts between that and a close-up of, of the barber guy, and he's just like, He's <laughs> just like, he's like, you can see the water droplets shaking off his face, he's so fucked up horny, yeah. Yeah, and the, outside, the cigar guy, who's obsessed with money, greedy, wins a thousand dollars from a spinning wheel, and, a, and also a cigar rolled for him on the smooth, plump thighs of Cuban beauties. <laughs> but- 
kind I of still what Bobo Jeffrey Jones lays this on so thick. Not only does he give the guy a thousand bucks, but yeah, gives him the free sexy crotch cigar from the from the Cuban plump ladies. But then he's also right, like, and he tells them it's rolled on their plump thighs as the guy's like running it under his nose. He is like, oh, I can smell the pussy all the way from here. It's like, yeah, it's. And then they also still give. I think they give him a free ticket to the like the merry-go-round or something yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, he gets a free pass. He gets like everything. He, he got like the grand prize of this whole fucking carnival. Yeah, he see, and I would have just gone home at that point. Seriously, don't press your luck. Just like take a thousand bucks and like, oh, I guess there's also oh, phantom he, sexy ladies on on the merry-go-round, not yeah, the merry-go-round, the Ferris he wheel. He seems one. Pam Pam Greer sitting on the Ferris wheel enjoys her because all the guys in town are horny. I did. I forgot that's actually the most of Pam Greer you really get to you get to see that she has legs and something from the neck down. Yeah. So the boys see a tent with erotic dancers inside, oh, yeah. which just happens to have a hole in the side of it where Jim watches for a while. That is... he's, he's taking after every other guy in town is horny too. <laughs> I do Will appreciate... wants to leave, but Jim's all about it. I never thought about a carnival, you know, because you think mostly carnival, you know, it's going to be for families and kids. I never thought about a carnival having like essentially like a sexy, stri- sexy stripper tent. Yeah. Like, that's essentially what this... I mean, it's not like super strippers. It's not like they're getting naked, but that's essentially what no, it is, because it's just dancers. a bunch of half-naked dan- dancing ladies. Uh, one dancers. of my... Uh, outside of just seeing bits and pieces of this movie when I was a kid, my only other reference for this movie is uh, Stephen King's Dance Macabre book, which is his nonfiction survey of, uh, about horror fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was printed in 1980, so a lot of the stuff in there is out of date by now. But uh, he talks, he goes on off in length about Ray Bradbury books and this this book in specifically. And he goes off about how Ray Bradbury, like, everything he writes is very kind of tinged with nostalgia and it's all very dewy and kind of G-rated, but occasionally, like, there'll be weird explosions of sex in his books. Yeah. And he talks about how there's a scene, I don't know if it's this scene or something like it, where... Uh, Will and Jim spy a bunch of naked people, like, in a brothel or something like that, and, like, he says something hmm. about, like, he, he quotes something about Ray Bradbury writing about, like, Will and Jim seeing the shivering horse flesh of all the naked people inside. And that's a phrase that's always scarred me since then. Shivering <laughs> horse flesh when thinking about large groups of naked people. And so, yeah. yeah, I guess this is that kind of scene, so. But, yeah, no, Jim's all horned up, but Will's just like, ah, we gotta go. Yeah, I don't so. have a boner. <laughs> and uh, the barber is in there being all sweaty and horny as hell. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> got no Pam, chill, man. Pam Greer's dancing for him along with other ladies. Oh, I didn't they, get that. Oh, yeah. I didn't pick yeah, up on that's, that. that's sir. And then they pull him into and spin him in a circle where he's like, ha, 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 ha. And then all his clothes vanish and he but sprays ejaculate his... everywhere. Did... Was that actually part of the script that Trey Bradford and suddenly his jiggly bear man titties pop out? And it's just like, oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. Jim can't see him climax because a little person slaps the tent with his cane and laughs. Not just it. too too young, boys. Come back in ten years. Not just any little person. I guess you wouldn't recognize this guy. That is Angelo Rosito. He was in Todd Browning's Freaks, which we did, we, we, we did watch that for the podcast, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. So I one, would recognize him. He's one little bit more specifically. Two years from after making this film, he would appear in a much more famous role as Master Blaster in Mad Max yeah. Beyond Thunderdome. He's the guy mm-hmm. who's all like with Tina Turner, like embargo on. He's I love that character. He's so good. But yeah, he's that guy. Yeah, 
He's old, so, man. Like, this is the 1980s, and he was, like, 1922-ass, like, silent films and shit like that. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, Pam Greer gets off the Ferris wheel, but the cigar guy ain't there no more. Oh. It's just sexy Pam Greer wearing that red wing on the outside of her glove, because people do that. I guess so. And it just, only his smoldering cigar is there. Oh, no, we'll hop on. <laughs> I'm surprised she's not smoking his dick like a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> And oh shit, the carousel's out of order. Everybody gotta keep out, but that won't stop no precocious young boys. And that, you know what? That is the. I was trying to think of the perfect statement to was what these kids are supposed to be, and they are capital P precocious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're supposed to be so charmed by their ragamuffin antics. Yeah, they sneak in and just go under the tent. Yeah, there's side. <laughs> For this being well the magical protective. art of the carnival, no one's doing a very good job project- uh, protecting it. No. They go inside and, and look at all the horses, and this one's my favorite! Like, okay. You, again, you, you know something's old-timey when someone's, like, blown away by a goddamn carousel. To the point yeah. you're like, this plaster horse is my favorite! <laughs> like, even when I was I a like kid, this one, because it looks like it's screaming. I'm like, which one is the, like, what's the scariest, most fucked up looking thing here? Because this is all crappy. Like, like, when I was a kid, yeah, that, 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 that. So yeah. they get on the carousel. Even at Disneyland, you look at the carousel and go, no. Like, <laughs> I go for, like, I'll do it for old timey's sake, but, like, it's not, time has moved on. This is no longer an interesting thing. Yeah, I'm going around in circles, sitting on basically a horse-shaped Wee. chair. Hopefully, Wee. hopefully you get one of the carousels that actually has the moving up and down animals, because sometimes you might get a static one, and that's even more like, what yeah. the fuck is the point? Like, I might yeah. as well just be walking in circles by myself. This is yeah. or the bench for the adults that have to yeah! go. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh man, circuses and amusement parks can be so terrible sometimes. Oh. Oh, you mean all the time? Yeah, well, depending. They can have their charm sometimes, but, yeah. Yeah, but they... Oh, no, they get grabbed. Yeah, by, the two big meaty Mr. hands of Bobo Jeffrey Jones grabs them from behind. Yeah. It says out an order, but they, oh, there's evil suit, man. He's, he's not exuding evils at all. No, he's just all dressed in black with, like, 80s long hairdo. And mm-hmm. black murder gloves, and just being all like, "Hello, children." Burp. Do you Telling... do you recognize this guy? No, I have never seen him before in my life. I just want to make sure. <laughs> I remember this guy being way more scary when I was a kid. Before I like, uh, before I wound up seeing him playing fussy schmucks in Brazil, Baron Munchausen, and the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. It's Jonathan Price. He's like, fucking awesome in this movie. No, he's great, but every every else everything else I've ever seen him in, he's always been a fussy little. Hey, oh my, what was this? And this is the one time he gets to be all like, mm, hey, hey, I'm going to eat your dick through a fence. Like he's super about, evil. Well, he was also that embarrassed Munchausen. He he just hides the pot <laughs> like this. <laughs> I mean, he was the bad guy, but he's definitely not threatening. He's just like, oh, hey, what are you going to do to us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Cats. <laughs> Cat just knocked over all my Muppet toys. Oh, no. You fucking shit, just literally walking through the Muppet toys now. I'm sorry, go ahead. It's like it's a cat or something. Yeah, it's almost like they're animals. Why do we, Mm -hmm. it's so weird to think that we just like have like, hey, I'm gonna buy an animal so it can live with me (laughs) and be completely dependent on me to clean up its shit. Okay, anyway. Mm -hmm. And he tells Mr. Cougar, put them down. Bring them back to Earth again. (laughs) 
Actually, uh, Tim Curry is the... That sign clearly said out of order. I don't know if they teach reading in your town. <laughs> this is actually... It's Mr. D. It's not for Mr. Dark. It's Mr. Dyslexic. <laughs> yeah. So he, he says instructions all around. His name is Mr. Dark. And he advises them to respect it. What? That that line doesn't make it again. That's what? that's yeah. That's that's Rad Bradbury just writing words because it sounds cool, but even though it doesn't make any sense within the actual like real world context of what he's saying, and, yeah. And he just pulls up his sleeve and shows him his arm, and he's got a squirreling kaleidoscope tattoo. It's very spoopy. Yeah, they obviously just kind of projected some like blot art onto his arm or something like that. And it goes on yeah. for a while, and like Jim's all like, "Oh my god," and Will's all just like, eh, what? "What's going on?" Yeah, he this gives them tickets to. Tickets tells him to come back later and ride some shit and be gone. And they run off. And Jim says, Oh, I bet they got some sweet shit that goes on here after sunset. Will says, tells him they can't stay after it closes or else they'll get thrown out. And Jim smartly taps his temple and says, Not if we don't get caught. Oh, oh Jim, you Hard to argue with. <laughs> it's brilliant, Jim. So the sun sets, night falls on Dark's carnival. The boys come yeah, out so I guess the kids place. just like walked out of the carnival, and just sat there and waited in the woods for six hours. Yeah, and then they come out of their hiding place. I think they're actually hiding under a like a something, uh, uh, one of, like a cage you'd keep. Or something like that. Yeah, there, there's equipment and stuff on the anyway, of the carnival that they're uh, hiding behind. Okay, they, go, they go back. They go back to the carousel where Mr. Cougar gets on a horse. Mr. Dark turns it. Oh, on. Oh, Mr. Cougar's the Bobo uh, Jeffrey Jones. Yes. Okay, yeah. In in the, in the book, it's actually Dark and Cougar's Carnival. Oh, I did for, see that, so yeah. For the movie, they changed it to just Dark. Does this fucking ex- who cares about Mr. Cougar? Okay, I'm going to shut up and let you explain what happens to Mr. Cougar, because I'm a little bit confused as to what his role here is, but yeah, go ahead. So, the, the, the carousel starts going backwards, and the, oh, fuck, that fool's getting younger and younger. They have this power, and they went with a balding, pudgy look for Mr. Cougar? Okay. Yeah, I could see why in the movie version. <laughs> I wonder if it was always in, in the movie version. It was always intended to be, you know, still be Mr. Cougar and Mr. Dark's, uh, like, ghostly Pandora or whatever. But then when they saw who they cast, they were like, oh, we got to change the signage because this guy's not evil <laughs> enough by far to be, like, associated with being one of the owners of this place. Now he's one of the scariest things of all time. A small little gingerhead kid. He's turned into problem child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mr. Dark says, It's late. Time to go about your work, Mr. Cougar. And it's Tim Curry. As much as I love Jonathan Price in this, now I'm just imagining all those teeth saying all these lines. I'm Am I projecting more Tim Curry than than Price? Sad. No, Tim Curry. It's, I love Jonathan Price. He's not trying to act like anyone, but like, yeah, just, just I can just hear the Tim Curry in your voice, though. But yeah, so a Cougar goes, as a, a, a 12-year-old, he goes running off into the dark. Yeah, he runs into town. The boys follow him, uh, noticing one of the shops is closed due to illness. And from one of the This is still that same day, so I think it's the barber yeah. shop specifically, yeah. Yeah. So they te- see their teacher's place, and the figure of Cougar is in there with her, and Jim rings the doorbell to warn her, but they check it out and say they just want to check on her because she was all wigged out after the mirrors. She invites him inside and calls her nephew Robert. And oh shit, it's actually Mr. Cougar Child. So is he actually her, her nephew? No, no. It's a, it made it a little bit clear in the book where she didn't really know what her nephew looked like, but he just showed up and was like, "Hey, I'm your nephew," and she was like, "Okay." Yeah, because I was wondering, like, does he like just turn back into a twelve-year-old boy when he wants to visit her? When whenever he comes into town and wants to visit her 
his aunt who lives in this town, and then he goes back to the carnival and gets turned back into adult cougar? Or what the hell's no, going it's on? Just, like, yeah. It's just them manipulating her and then her not having exact knowledge. Because I can't imagine turning an old lady into a bl hot blind girl is that worth that much effort to, like, take the, take the co-owner of the carnival and turn him into a kid and make him, like, like hang out with this old lady for a couple days before they can trick her into transforming. Uh, yeah, it's... whatever. Yeah. Will tries to warn her, but Jim's... He's like, we have to warn you! And Jim's just like, oh, we won't be at school tomorrow! Yeah. And then they go outside. Mr. Cougar's Cougar. just kind of... This little kid's staring at them all like, Bleh. He does a good job yeah. impersonating... The weirdness of the older version of him. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, he follows them outside, slowly walking towards them. And then he picks up a rock, and I thought he was gonna fucking beam one of the boys with it, but nope. He whips around and throws it at the window and just fucking <laughs> takes off running. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course of his aunt comes out and she sees the kid standing there, so she just blames Jim and... And, uh, Jim and Yeah, she's schmuck. like, how dare you throw that rock at my window? Stay right there, I'm coming down. And they're like, fuck that. Yeah, and they just haul ass. <laughs> they just haul ass out of there. Um, Kid's a fucker. Yeah. That's like the last evil thing he does in the movie, though. Yeah. That's like at the much. end of his contribution to this to this narrative. Yeah. So, um, she assumes they'll just, they'll just stay right there to get in trouble, but they run home. And Will yeah, runs she actually expect them to wait like 10 minutes gonna take her to put on her panties and come downstairs, you know. Muppet Babies will return after these messages. Hellfire storms are coming. An electric storm to clean your streets and wash away your trouble. For every heart, there exists a wish. You ever play the numbers, Mr. Holloway? Hey, uh, never take risks. For every soul, there burns a desire. Oh, I Always was. It smells to me like we're gonna have visitors. But never whisper your dreams, for someone might be listening. <laughs> And for every wish, there will be a price. For every desire, there will be a cost. My name is Mr. Dark. I advise you to respect it. Dad, please be careful. Will. Will. Uh, these boys I'm looking for. Perhaps you know them. Fine boy, fine. Both of them quite a credit to this little town, if you want to know the truth. I do want to know the truth, sir. And the truth is that you are lying. I am pricking up my thumb something wicked this wake up. Then rang the bells both loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. Where do you come from? The dust. Where do you go to? The grave. Yes. 
We are the hungry ones. Your torments call us like dogs in the night. And we do feed. And feed well. You tell me where the boys are hiding. And I can make you young again. Ray Bradbury's fantasy tale of light and darkness is getting closer. Something wicked this way comes. And now back to the Muppet Babies. Yeah, yeah. Will runs into his dad, and um, Jim goes into his house, finding his her, his mom dancing with some dude. She's so lonely and horny. She offers to fix him some food, but he says, it's fine, I'm all hungry, and he goes to his room. And Will's house, his dad wants to finish the talk, and there was that time Will almost drowned, because he don't know how to swim, because his father thought it wasn't right for a man to swim. What? Is that something people used to think? I... Because his dad was, was a manly minister. to swim? Because they really... Because he talks about his dad also being super mean. And, like, was that a sexist thing back in the... Like, hey, hold on just a sec. Cat. Cat. Sorry about that. Um, How dare you. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess he was a sexist asshole minister. Not to say being a minister automatically makes you a good person or anything like that. But, um... Yeah, I, it's they're painting a very weird picture of, of Jason Robard's dad. Yeah. Cat? Cat? So, uh, the more you fight it, Bill, the harder it's gonna fight back. Cause that's how cats do. I, I I bought some Muppet toys yesterday, so I have an Amazon box in here, and the cat has just discovered that it is the perfect size for the Amazon box. If it could just like snuggle in and close the flaps on on top of itself, it's like a cat mm. coffin. Cats love boxes. So that's what's happening <laughs> literally two feet behind me right now. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, so yeah, so uh, 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 Will and his dad continue to have like their second weird three a.m. conversation of the, of the movie. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't save his kid, but Jim's dad was still around. He hadn't bailed yet and jumped in fully clothed and saved him, which he did. Yeah, and he'd been super bummed and sad about he wasn't the one that saved his own child. And he tells Will, "You can blame my father or even me. Sometimes we gotta stop blaming." And Will's like, mm, "Wish you could be happy." And he's like. He tells him, just tell me I'll live forever, and then I'll be happy. And Will's like, what? Don't talk like about death. Someone might hear. It's, it's kind of heavy shit for a Disney movie. And it's so, I mean, it, it's weird, though, because I know they're kind of just setting up uh, what Will's dad's most deepest want is. But he yeah. seems to be such, like, of a guy of enough regrets. It's, he seems to be the kind of character who should be a little more having come to terms with his age, and I'm kind of surprised the first thing out of his mouth is, like, if I want to be happy, I would want to live forever. Not to say, like, you know, like, it'd be more interesting if he had a death wish or anything like that, but it's interesting. That seems to be kind of a naive thing for a guy yeah. his age and his wisdom to say. Um, yeah. Especially his biggest regret here doesn't seem to be, like, oh, I'm going to die someday. It's going to be, oh, I didn't do right by my own child. And it's weird mm -hmm. to say, like, in the middle of this, like, annui... Ennui, whatever you call it, in the scene, for him to say oh, his biggest lady. regret is like something else. It's oh, a little weird, but I do hey. think it's interesting that the guy who saved Will was actually Jim's dad, and still kind of like like paints this picture of 
Will and Jim's, like, fates just being inextricably linked, even when, like, they're both not involved in the same... Well, they're, they're, like, even when Jim's not there, like, it's Jim's dad saving Will and causing issues with his dad and stuff like that. It's... Yeah, I want to know... I want a prequel story explaining, like, how that... Like, what kind of connection uh, Will's parents and Jim's parents had. It's really weird. Yeah. So he sends Will off to his room. He's got a lock up and can't follow him up in a tiny little ladder because he'd shatter it if he tried. Oh, yeah. Even though Will's like, Yeah, he's got like this, this ivy way? trestle and he's like, invites his dad up, but his dad's like, Yeah, thanks for the offer, but no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, a kid being so. precocious because it's this is the kind of thing you would normally do if your parents weren't looking, but the dad's all like, Oh, okay. I'll see you in yeah. the morning. I guess no and one Jim's... in his family goes to bed before 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Jim's at Jim's house. His mom. He's talking to his mom in his bedroom and asks if he looks like his dad. And his mom says too much. The day he leaves home, her Harvey will be dead forever. Now go to sleep. Cool. Thanks, mom. That's Jesus awesome. Jesus Christ! And of course they have to slip in another thing about the temperament of little boys. When she comes in, he's like, "Why do little boys always leave their windows open?" He's like, "Because little boys are hot-blooded, mama." And yeah. this is kind of like another, like, yeah, just, I doesn't say it like that, but it's still, like... No. It's just, again, a character's just randomly philosophizing about the nature of 12-year-old boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh... The teacher old lady looks in a mirror at her place, sees a reflection of a hot young lady that she never was. No! It's, it's, it's <laughs> an entirely different genotype. It's not even the same species of human being. Yeah. Yeah. They might as well have had Pam Greer's reflection in there. This is weird, too, because this is happening in her own home, so I don't know why this couldn't happen even when the carnival's not in town, because it's not like she just bought this mirror at the carnival or anything like that. I don't know if this might make clear. I think the, the carnival has to be there to eat her misery. <sighs> yeah, and I guess because she went through the mirror, like, it, like, put magic on her, so I guess this is gonna, yeah, it's... But yeah, she's looking in the mirror, she sees herself turn into a younger girl, but then her eyes yep. get all cataracty for a moment, and I guess that's the movie's oh, way of saying, she, oh fuck, no. she's blind as shit! Yeah, and s instead of being careful with her next steps, no, she's blind, she's just like, literally just trips all over everything in her living room. <laughs> yeah. Oh, help me, Cuckoo, help me! Yeah. He just smiles. Problem child's just standing there, just like, as she's grabbing mm. onto his leg, and he's like, eh. It looks like he's about to yeah. jerk off into her face or something, it's not good. Well, there you go. Yeah. So Will wakes up, sees Jim running off, ditching him, and so he just grabs his clothes and runs off after him and tackles him, catches him, figures out that Jim wants to be older, so he's gonna ride that merry-go-round till he's bigger and stronger and he's smarter than him. Hey, fuck, man, just drink your milk. If the 80s taught me nothing, you drink your milk, you're gonna get bigger, stronger, faster. And you're that, gonna that get a whole will be Sorry, you'll see. Say your prayers, drink your vitamins, and pray to Jesus or whatever. Yeah. Well, I was referencing the milk commercial. The milk but, commercial, yeah. but like, yeah, well, at the same time, you had a whole Kogan telling people too. to like do his thing. Eat your thing. vegetables. Eat your vegetables. Eat your was it vegetables? Was vitamins? Right. Say your yeah, prayers. Whatever. Eat your vitamins. Eat your vitamins. Vitamins. Uh. <laughs> Don't purchase your aluminum foil. Mm -hmm. They they get to the carnival just in time to hear Mr. Dark tell Mr. Cougar to make sure the boys don't interfere with their work. And uh, yeah, he also this has is the, yeah, Mr. The, Dark is like just oh I forgot because they caught the the lightning rod guy. Yeah, and they have him strapped to an electric chair, and Dark's demanding to know when the storm is coming. He must know because lightning reveals our dark corners. Rain washes away our dust. And, and uh, I this is just really Dark just explaining. What it's going to take to destroy the carnival. 
Yeah, and again, old. we can instead of just saying that, he has to say it in the most purpley pro prose or Ray Bradbury way yeah. possible. Yeah. <laughs> the old fool is just babbling and won't say anything of real substance. And the boys uh, looking around see the town people with statues. Al Bundy's a kid again. The old lady's now young with her eyes closed. The horny barber's a bearded lady. Yeah. And the cigar man is a racist Indian Native American statue that you I... used to have outside of cigar shops. Okay. I I don't know if that's supposed to be some kind of ironic punishment that they're making him dress. Or did he actually... I they turn him into the statue and then he turned from being in the statue into being real life again but yeah it's, yeah, it's slightly confusing but then a uh, fucking dust princess shows up as a Christmas ornament well lightning man keeps babbling even when super hot Pam Greer comes in a white gown with her titties looking all fine yeah no and she's got and... one of those things she's got like this medieval waistband so it's pretty much says hey look at my crotch and I got my hips mm -hmm. swaying and all that shit it's all like yeah and the fucking Tom Fury is all like, that's the most beautiful thing I ever see. <laughs> the light, yeah, the lighted dude is just like, vum, 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 vum. I like he's the complete mess otherwise, but once he sees titties, he's all like, oh, I got my priorities right again. I know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mr. Dark's like, oh, I see you're awake again. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, Zap, Dark zaps the fuck out of him, but the will yeah. doesn't like it. He stands up and he's like, stop it. And then. The Pavir turns to look at them with basically the devil's face. Yeah. <laughs> they take off running. And I, I do feel like her turning with that face was on, like, shitty live-action Disney movie bumpers. I can I see that. I remember that. It's like some kind of, I don't know if it's makeup or it's like a projection on her face, but it's I not think like... It's, it's, I think it's probably animated. It's, it's, yeah, it doesn't quite align with her face correctly, but it, it's very cheesy looking. Yeah. And but, but yeah, it, it, it would have fucked me up if I was like four and saw it. Well, speaking of getting fucked up, the kids are running out of their way out. Uh, yep. And then there's so, a guillotine. And, and so they reach a guillotine with a body in it, and the guillotine come crashing down. And hey, look, there's Will's severed bloody fucking head in a basket. Yeah. What the fuck, Disney? Beating uh, Luke Skywalker. Oh, no, 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 The Empire Strikes Back came out before this, but I was going to say, yeah, totally like in a, like Luke Skywalker cutting off Darth Vader's head to reveal his own dismembered head inside kind of moment, yeah. But even yeah, then, there was no blood. It, it's not yeah, like, this is yeah, even more yeah, graphic. Yeah, Jesus Christ movie. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. What the fuck? Jim and Willie run it's off like, into the uh, forest. So, yeah. So that, that there's they, there's a lot more characters in the book, like, uh, in the carnival, they, they have, like, names... And one of them is the guillotine man. Oh, yeah? And th there's, a like, a super brief aside that's happening during one of the scenes where a guillotine comes down and hits a dummy. And, and Will thinks for a moment that it looked like his face as it was falling through the air. And I guess they were just like, we like that image enough. We're going to actually make it a scene head, yeah. in the movie, even though it makes no sense in the movie. Yeah. Well, I guess if just it's dark run magic, into a you can inflict guillotine. the visions on these kids and... Yeah, you can yeah. you can kind of play around with reality a little bit. Yeah. So. But yeah, they're they being chased running. by smoke. A two D animated. No, they're being smoke. chased by some green fart gas. Yeah. <laughs> through the woods, because the dark told uh, the uh, dust witch that the boys have seen too much and tells her to hunt them down and bring them back. So Jim gets yelled at for being out so late by his mom and gets sent to his room. Yeah, he it came home at five a.m. instead of three a.m. like every other night we've seen in this movie. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, his dad comes into his room a bit later and uh, gives him his pizza and tells him, let's not tell your mother. <laughs> they have a nice talk about evils and devils. 
and he says, I get, he just the most vague, I like, I believe in devils, but as long as you're a good person, they can't hurt you, right? If, am I a good person? Disney I do like the dad's response of like, and <laughs> I do like the dad's like, well, your mom might, might, might argue the point a little bit, but yeah, I think you're a good person. And but yeah, yeah, it's more just conversation about the nature of good and evil and blah blah blah. And but again, not even just like having a normal heart to heart about the nature of good and evil, but it's because it's Ray Bradbury. It's all like, what are the secret hearts of my soul? Like <laughs> it's the most cut. Yeah, it's it's. I don't even say pretentious because you can still understand no. it, but it's still just like kind of pumped up enough. It's just yeah. The artifice yeah. is, is kind of amusing, but yeah. And b before he leaves the room, Will tells his dad, Be careful. Something's going on. Just, just be careful, okay? And his dad's like, okay. Aww. Luckily for Will, his dad's too old to be getting those sweet, sweet boners anymore, so he won't be affected by the carnival. Well, I guess if he did get those sweet, sweet, sweet boners, he'd be more home before 5 a.m. more often. Like, <laughs> yeah. actually, like, attending to his wife. Jesus Christ. So the fart gas finds the kids in their beds. They wake up. Will runs over to Jim's room, and they hide in there. And then shit starts creaking and cracking above them on the roof, and the ceiling buckling under the weight of some, and they hear the window crack, and blam! Spiders! And sharp violin strings. This is very much this... like music from, from, like, Aliens. A couple spiders, years later, but yeah. Spiders everywhere! On the door handles, on the carpets! It's so spoopy, it's under the blankets! Oh, no! I'm sure if I was scared of spiders, I'd be like, oh, no. But yeah. I was just like, hey, These are soft little fluffy tarantulas! Just, there yeah, is a moment kids. where Will, uh, he, he goes to leave. He puts his hand on, on the doorknob, and the, there's a spider on the doorknob. And it's not so much like, ooh, he touched spider, as much as he, like, squished spider. Which, that I could see that yeah. being kind of... Uh, Icky. Except the only problem is these aren't the same kids. They're a year older, and now they look completely like yeah. puberty hit them hard. They almost look like different actors, not even the same kids. Yeah, like the fucking Will now looks like a cross between a Christmas story and Harry Potter, and the other kid just looks like I don't know what hey, the fuck. But Bill, I don't know the characters well enough. But yeah. uh, speaking of Will getting older, um, did you know? Do you know, does the name Rugal mean anything to you on Deep Space Nine? Rugal? Yeah. No, not particularly. Why? Because I guess that's... Uh, the Will played a uh, Cardassian... Cardassian uh, ah! in Deep Space Nine. Hold on, I'll send you the link. Yeah, okay. Rugal. Uh, there are so yeah. many Cardassians on that show, though. Huh. Um, I don't... Come on. Uh... He was born in 2,358, if that helps you. <laughs> I can... Let me see what happens if I Google Cardassian Rugal. Oh, he'll probably bring you up. Yeah, yeah, Rugal... Let's see. Oh, my God. Oh, he was like a Bajoran kid. Mm. Oh, my God. What the hell? What so the there hell? you go. What I don't know. Was I don't know. I, I watched Deep Space Nine, but I, I stopped. R U G A L. I'm not sure when I topped, but. Um, yeah, yeah, his. So like, he was on Deep Space Nine. Good to know. So he was, he was a Cardassian raised by the by the Bajorans, and he's got like a weird hair. No, he just. I don't want to look at this anymore. This looks <laughs> not good. Just the character design is offensive looking to me. Well, because it's like he's like a teenager, but they gave him hair. He looks like George Costanza, but like gray pasted <laughs> Cardassian makeup. It's just. 
I, it's the kind of character design you, when when people see that you can totally understand why people laugh at Star Trek because you're like you're supposed to take that seriously as like a character you're supposed to care about. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. So anyway, there's fuzzy, cute little spiders running all over the place, and it it's nowadays it all be CG, but these were actual real spiders. Yeah. But then lightning hits the lightning rod, and Dave Will screams with the voice of somebody who filmed this scene a year later. <laughs> Well, the green smoke turns into lightning, which is even a little bit weirder. That hits the lightning rod, and yeah. that's kind of the end of the use of lightning rods in this whole movie. It's it's guys. No, there's one more lightning rod use. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, there is. That's right. Okay, I forgot yeah. about that. Now, now it's the next day, and everybody's at church just singing like shit. This nope. is a nice touch. I do like the. Uh... What do you call it? Not not comparison. The contrast between you've got all these upright standing citizens at their like Sunday morning church services, and then you mm. have this dark carnival parade prowling through the streets looking for these two kids. Except you you, you wouldn't think that they were just looking for two kids because it is this like super just crappy little uh, parade. Like twelve. Yeah, it's people a nightmare in it. parade with horrible masks and shit. Or it's a parade of Adam's family members. I can't remember. It's. So. Real parades are more organized than this, though, because it's mostly just Jonathan Price walking down the street with a walking stick and a bunch of dwarves just kind of just playing whatever behind him. And there's like two coffins. And then the lightning guy is like, I guess he's dead or something. But his his, his corpse has been hoisted (laughs) up on onto the shoulders and. Of these dudes who were like carrying, he he's like when, the, when they bring in C three PO and Return of the Jedi when the Ewoks think he's a god. This is like except it's this guy's in the electric chair still, which <laughs> in, this... in the book they smush the lightning ride guy down into a dwarf and they describe him <laughs> as a wart. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> There's a guy dressed like Batman except he's got an orange pom pom on his forehead. Nice. I'm just really looking at some of the background extras in this scene, and it's pretty funny. Oh, and they also walk past the barber shop, and that's still empty, which would be a little mm-hmm. bit scarier if you didn't realize this. Like, really, it's only been about 36 hours that have elapsed in this movie, so the idea that the barber shop could still be closed is not that freaky. It's not been no. like a week or anything like that, but. Will says it's not a parade, it's a search party, and it's searching for Dad. Yeah. He calls his dad and says, So after us, I can't come home. And that's all he gets out before he leaves the phone and goes hiding. Yeah. Oh, he they're literally hiding. calls. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. They're hiding and grading under the street, and the parade, like you said, has coffins, and they're kid-sized, and also the people of the town uh, that, that they stole from the town are in the parade. And you think the other townspeople would be like, isn't that the barber, the horny barber, dressed like a lady? Yeah. I didn't know that was his kink. It would be like, what's, like, is there no, like, where's your permit at? What's going on here? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, permit. I know that's not how these stories work, but, like, there's a little bit, like, uh, oh, yeah, I didn't realize it's, that's, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't parse the idea that the barber had been turned into a lady, quote unquote. He's like a bearded lady now. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So, uh, one of the carnival people gives Jim's mom a ticket and whispers something to her, oh no, and Will's dad comes rolling into town looking for his kids, where another guy comments on the bar is closed, they think that shit's super strange. So they go inside, and Mr. Dark follows them in, says, he's looking for two boys. 
Yeah, that is a little Tim Curry right there. Yeah, that's what I was uh, saying, yeah. This is kind of the first big confrontation between Mr. Dark and uh, Will's dad. Yeah, yeah one toe-headed, the other black as pitch. He also says, but I'm totally not evil. Don't let literally everything about me fool you. I'm, I'm super cool and not looking to kill those boys well, and harvest Jason, their souls at all. Jason Robards is like, okay, what did the kids do? And the guy's like, uh, they, they didn't do nothing. We just want to give them a free prize. But then even then, he, he can't just let it alone by saying, we just want to give them a free prize. He's like, I want to give them a free prize, except... Like, also, I just want to give them what they so richly deserve. <laughs> and, of course, not even just Robards, but the other guy, I guess there's, like, one of the police officers standing behind the bar, like, what the fuck is this guy's all about? But, yeah, yeah. this guy's not so much, <laughs> he overplays his hand at every possible opportunity. Yeah, so the, uh, Dad's like, yeah, I'm gonna go, and just pieces out. I do so. appreciate that this is not a narrative with the, where the kids have to go out of their way to... Uh, to make a believer out of any of the adults. Well, at least the dad. I, I like how from the get-go, from the moment he meets Mr. Dark, he's like, oh, you, this this is fucked up. Something's going on here. And yeah. it does take some explanation from from Will to his dad to get for his dad to get completely on the same page, but I do I appreciate that he just, yeah, from from, from meeting this guy, he knows he's, he's, he's up to some shady shit. Yeah, so uh, he happens to stop walking right above the boys who squeeze his shoe, so he notices them. But yeah. before he can react, Dark is there having followed him, and he opens up his hand and has his ballpoint pen drawn of the boys <laughs> on his palm, and he's like, I'm not creepy and evil. I, I know this makes it seem like the exact opposite, but again, Tote's not evil. You, you don't believe me, do yeah, you? Yeah, if you're trying to get this guy to cooperate with you, and you suspected <laughs> that he might be the parents of one of the kids that you're looking for... Don't be all like, yeah, I've got their faces tattooed in my palms, and when I get angry, I'm going to make my palms bloody. Yeah, the and dad, glare the at you. And... The dad's like, oh, yeah, I know him. That's uh, Larry Stinkums, <laughs> and that's... Uh... <laughs> that is the kind of names he comes up with. That's one of my favorite parts. He's like, yeah, that's that's Buttsmith Hammermouth or something like that. <laughs> and he, even Mr. Dark's like, ah, no. Well, he's like, I, I know your line. I know their names. It's Will and Jim, and he's so mad, he's squeezing his hand into a fist, and blood's pouring out of it, dripping onto Will's face. It kind of looks like tears on Will's face, and there's actually a mm. moment after the scene in where well, Will, no, Will does, does have, have tears real going tear. down yeah. his face. Yeah. Which I thought that was kind of nice, too. Yeah, so, I mean, they are just children, after all. Yeah. So, he tells Dark his name, it's Holloway, and Dark's like, oh yeah, you're the librarian feeding off of other men's dreams and shit, and... They, they, he tells him, hey, you should try come visit me in the library sometimes. And he's like, oh, yeah, I think I will. And then he leaves, and the Al Bundy kid throws a football at the dad, which understandably makes him go, boys, what the hell is going on? I do like he actually says that out loud. It's a good thing, I guess, Al Bundy guy is not a good lip reader. Because yeah. he totally doesn't pick up on the on on the idea that Jason Robards is, is, is up to, knows what's up, but yeah. So he drops his cigar and picks it up so he can get closer to the boys and tell them to meet him at the library at night. Oh, that night he shows This movie them. really does take place over the course of a weekend. Yeah, that night. Oh, it's shows... great, though. It, it, when uh, Mr. Dark goes back to rejoin the parade, though, he does this great, like, uh, almost Ministry of Silly Walks, like, a little bit of a high step as he joins the circus and goes mm. back through the town right before the camera cuts cuts away, and he's still kind of giving uh, Jason Robards the evil eye, but something about uh, Jonathan Price's performance in that one shot just looks extra hilarious to me. But, yeah. Yeah. 
That night, he shows the boys a book. The dad does the diary of his father, Charles Herbert Holloway, the minister of the town. Yeah. And it was October 1891. Everything been all fucked up since they got to town. Poor lame serving girl went to the fortune teller to inquire how she might run. Her legs got all better, and then she ran mad. Oh. This is That's the one thing where I almost started laughing, because that's totally like... Again, in the Rick and Morty episode, that's the kind of like the clumsiness of 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 the 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 curse. Yeah, it seems it destroys people by granting their dearest wishes as it has been the way of the devil. But in a really sarcastic way, yeah, dark is just a fucked up genie. Uh, Does he say that? that, No, (laughs) old folks of the town, like yeah. Say they remember such a carnival visiting many autumns past in the days of the youth. And traveling people swore they were to return some other autumn each time their visit ended with a most unusual storm. And holy fuck, this goes on forever in the book. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, this library scene. It's, it's, it kind of goes on so for a while long. in the movie just because... I think this this premise has been done enough since this movie came out that you would like. I don't think the movie would have to do nearly quite so much explanation. Yeah. Uh, the, but one of the things Stephen King totally ripped this off for it, the book mm. it because it is all about Pennywise the clown comes back every once once a generation every twenty eight years, and yeah. his ramp uh, his 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 rampage of murder is always capped off by some kind of uh, calamitous event within the town. So that's totally Stephen King just, like, ripping off the whole, whole idea, the, especially the idea that, like, the the arrival of the bad guys copped, like, instead of a storm, it's, like, could be, like, an ironworks exploding or some gangster shootout or something like that. But I was like, Stephen King, I, I see your shit. You're nice. <laughs> I love your work, but goddamn, man. Yeah. Yeah, so they hear a noise, and it's dark, so he tells the boys to go hide. And then uh, Dad says, by the pricking of my thumb, something wicked this way comes. Dark keeps it rolling with it. Then rang the bell, both loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. And Dad doesn't like his reading of it, so he finishes it for him. The wrong will fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to man. And then Dark says it's a thousand years till Xmas. But Dad says she's wrong, and it's right here in the library. And I, what? I'm lost now. This is, again, Ray Bradbury just... He's drinking cough syrup, and it's really late, and he's just, like, stream of consciousness. <laughs> just, it doesn't matter if it even functions as a conversation anymore. He's just, again, that, that prose that it's so richly bruised purple, just yeah. knocking it out, yeah. So, Dark thinks the boys are there, so he starts trying to bribe them with free carnival shit, and he, or he offers Jim <laughs> to be all grown up. Wouldn't that I... be sweet? To find out what adults do behind closed doors that is... children are asleep. Mm. That, that was kind of interesting. I, 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 I do, I, it did kind of, it was a little bit of a disappointment that the villain's first play is like, hey, free carnival rides. Like, eh, yeah. come on, yeah. <laughs> you can step up your game a little bit. But he does, his, his next thing is, oh, hey, I can give you an adult, adult penis so you can do adult penis things. So, yeah. He's uh, like, hey, don't you want to know what adults do behind closed doors? And the boys shout out, we know they won't shut up about it. They just love, oh my god, have you been to the barbers? That's all we fucking hear about what they do behind oh, closed doors. Jesus. When you get your Christ. haircut, all he talks about is his time in Bangkok. Oh Dude's my got gosh. these hentai posters, these wall scrolls. <laughs> like, just, we want, we're trying to get away from what adults do behind closed doors. Jesus hey. Christ. The, the dad says he knows who they are. They are the autumn people. Where do you come from? The dust. Where do you go? Cotton Eye Joe. The grave. 
Yeah, this uh, is the big stand down. I mean, this is not the climax of the movie right here, but this is definitely the big meeting. This this yeah. this is the clash right here, yeah. Yes, we are the hungry ones. Your torment call us like dogs in the night, and we do feed and feed well. You should shaft yourself on other people's nightmares. To butter our plain bread with delicious pain. And there, I like their conversation in this scene. And Price is chewing the scenery so hard, he's still shitting out books from this movie 35 <laughs> years later. Yeah, sometimes he has to go to the proctologist because they get jammed in there a little bit. Because a couple of them try to come out at the same time and they've been impacted in there for 30 years. But yeah. yeah. Although you reading it kind of like Tim Curry as me thinking like, like Dr. Frankfurter being even extra more weird and fucked up than Jason Robards. Jason Robards being like, whoa. But yeah. So, uh... Stark says his books can't hurt him, old man. Yes, old. Because your heart is old. And uh, he offers to make him young again if he tells him where the boys are. Going, going, gone. And then he starts ripping out pages of the book, counting off years of a man's life, taking away that offer to make him that young. Yeah. And he says 32 of him as a man's prime. I fucking screwed that year up, but good. <laughs> I was going to say, I've already shot past that by a decade, and then like... 35 yeah, no, time to it's... father a family oops I botched that one too <laughs> let's hope this movie is not canonical yeah, <laughs> granted he... this movie was this, this story was written like a hundred years ago so it, hopefully all the goalposts have changed a little bit since by then he, keep, he uh... keeps counting ripping out glowing pages as the dad looks weaker and sweatier and age Will 43 Shank, writes his first letter to penthouse for <laughs> dad don't listen he's like ho 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 and uh I like how excited he gets before he reaps, rips out page 40. He's like, forty. Mm, <laughs> he's so happy. Well, he's only like a 39. The last time you could run up the stairs without panting. And then he's like, <laughs> yeah, it's all just like, yeah, he makes a meal out of this scene. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. When he reaches. Jason Robarts is just standing there going, Ugh, yeah. Ugh. It looks like he's trying to keep like. <laughs> He's literally almost like he's trying to punch his dick back down. He's got a, such a boner for the idea of becoming young again or something. Yeah. So uh, when he reaches fifty in the book. The dad falls down mostly because Dark just throws the whole book at him. <laughs> I know it's not like yeah. It, they don't even play it like a thing where he finally gave in or the temptation was too much. But he's just like oh, oh I got hit. Yeah. So punches of punches. Dad says damn you and reaches for Dark, but Dark grabs his hand and says a taste of death so you know it when it comes again. And then he squeezes his hand so hard the flesh rips open. Fuck, yeah, Disney, like what you doing? It's not even Ooh, like he just broke his fingers, so but like... That looks ouchie-oochie. He like, like if you step on a Capri Sun. It was like, oh <laughs> no, like the ruptured flesh is just... And I thought for a moment you would find out that like that was just a vision. Or just yeah. like a quick, like temporary. But no, his no. hands fucked up for the rest of the movie. Like that, that could be a permanently like that. Just Robar in the sequel would have a hook for a hand. Yeah, Jesus. I, I looked ouchies. Why doesn't he just kill Jason Robards? Uh, like if he could just do he that, then feeding, just kill he's him. He's feeding off the torment. I, uh, guess. I guess the pain, but he kick falls him in over. The head. <laughs> he falls over again, and just to be a dick dark throws a bunch of books on top of him be yeah. like you like words here's your words that's this is so much like the the apex of of mr dark's existence in this film but it is a little bit more that it just ends with him just like just dumping garbage onto the good guy <laughs> like it's just so like, then, a little anticlimactic dark searches a library for the boys wondering yeah, where they like, might be what? listed under a for adventure b for boys h for horny j for jim n for nightshade oh here Oh, shit, he grabbed him! Oh, and now no. off to the carnival, I go! Uh, they just run away? 
No, yeah, he, well, he 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 says Jim sees his mom out the or no, uh, Will sees his mom out the window coming out the church, and Dark's like, "Ah, oh, you don't need her no more. You got a new mom. It's Pam Greer. She's super hot. Check her now out." Now she's all golden shit. Yeah, Dark tells her to lose lose their tongues until he chooses to find them again. So she goes whoop 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 and makes them so they don't talk no more. And Which she, I guess is more all, of a thing in the book. Yeah, because they're just like temporarily silenced here for like like yeah. the, like three minutes, and this is it's. I forgot she this also, even happened. Yeah, she also gives Dad a brief taste of death, so he knows when it comes again. And makes we his heart slow she, way the fuck down, and his sweat just gets sweatier. Yeah, I'm assuming in the book this is much more of a thing, like where she may have actually temporarily killed him for a moment. So and this, it just seems like she makes him go to sleep for two two minutes. That's what all it seems like. Yeah, because so in the book, her, her character's different. She's a uh, old ratty looking gypsy lady with her eyes shown sewn shut oh wow okay. and uh like when she's trying to give him a taste of death she's wiggling her fingers at him huh. and he finds it silly and starts laughing at her and say like stop trying to tickle me <laughs> and that's how he discovers that laughter and happiness is their weakness he starts singing it's the kirby kirby's adventure theme song yeah yeah okay i did see like there's something about how doesn't he shoot somebody with a happy bullet? Yes. <laughs> he kills her like, with a happy bullet. And like, even reading that, I was like, that must have made more context in the book, because just reading about the synopsis makes no sense. But yeah. I can see why they decided to change, like, laughter can destroy all the bad guys, because that's, that's, that is a little abrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, else, where uh, Jim's mom's headed out, because she got a carnival ticket, and... On the way back to the carnival, Dark's telling Jim how awesome everything's gonna be dark and nightshade. It's gonna be sweet as shit. And it's for real, they can put him on the carousel and turn him into a baby. Maybe a plaything for his little person that's with him. <laughs> He's way too excited about that idea. He's like, <laughs> patting his hand. And then Dad wakes up amongst all the pages <laughs> that are being blown around inside. And his old ass is gonna save those boys as the storm comes in. He runs into Jim's mom at the outskirts of the carnival and tells her, Go home! And she's yeah. like, I'm waiting for my husband! Did they ever like, say who hey, she's waiting fool. for, particularly? Nah, well, he says, the man coming for you is not your it's husband. It's not gonna so. be, yeah, but like, they, yeah. They, like, I feel like there's a deleted scene there where they were setting up, like, maybe who she's gonna see, or I don't know. But, yeah. and, and she's sad. She's like, Ah, oh, raspberries, they told me he would. <laughs> And then he goes into the hall of mirrors. She stamps her little feet, raspberries. Yep. I hope yep. there's never a Great Depression that happens. <laughs> Dad goes into the hall of mirrors where I guess Will is also. So yeah. they look for each other. And this is the part I would always stumble on on TV, and it made me very confused. What well, so isn't Dark... just he goes in, there's a bunch of circular TVs. Yeah, showing and Dark starts talking to him, being like, Look at all this shit. Isn't it crazy how I made all these people's dreams come true? And here's your dream. Regret. Your son's drowning. Ain't that some shit? Now you gotta watch it again. Ain't you a shitty father? And he starts getting even older in the reflection as Dark taunts him. And Pam rubs his shoulders and Will's there and he yells, Oh, come on, Dad, I love you. I love you. I love you. And it echoes, and that's all he needed to punch the shit out of that mirror and save his son from the drowning that was happening. I it guess. is an interesting thing where he put pushes his hands through the mirror, but then the surface, the, the silvered mirror surface of the mirror turns into the silver mirrored surface of the lake, 
where he could mm. not save his son b- before, but now he can save him now, and he redeems yeah. himself both in his eyes of his son and himself, more importantly. And uh, does that happen in the book? I don't remember. Because at least there, 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 there's a thematic. No, I think the unity dad here. Sh- the dad just shows up at the car. So what happens is the dad shows up at the carnival, and they're gonna do the bullet catching trick <laughs> with. Yeah. Okay, get what? this. So they're gonna the, the carnival. Mr. Dark's gonna do the bullet, ca- the old shooting the gun, the bullet catching in the teeth trick with the gypsy lady. <laughs> but she, but she's like, Mm-mm, don't do it, not working. And the dad shows up. Nobody else will volunteer, and he was like, "I'll do it." And then he, Dark's like, "I'll hold the guns for you to steady it." And he's like, "Nah, nah, nah. I want a boy to do it. Is there any boy that cl- my kids here? Will, Will." And he starts calling for him. And then the whole town starts calling for Will. And then he just walks out of the hall of mirrors like, do, 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 I guess they summoned me." And then, then Will's back. Huh. Okay. I can see why they changed that. And then he uses the wax bullet to shoot the the witch and kill her. <laughs> So it's yeah. a wax bullet too. Well, it's a wax bullet, and so that when you shoot it, it melts and it won't hit the person that gets. Sh- oh, hit with that's it. And right. They, they that, have the fake bullet. In that their would teeth. be also why he can carve like a smiley face into it or something. Something like that. Something. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. It, that scene goes on for a long I, time. I it's hard to Jason listen. Robart's it was hard to listen to. Confronting his own demons and that being what it, like it's also quicker and maybe it makes yeah, more but, sense when you read the book. But the but. way Pam Greer goes out is equally as lame too because lightning strikes the carnival, which frees the lightning rod man. I guess again, he's not in. dead; he's still alive. And then like he, yeah, he's he, holding he a leaps lightning rod up like something just jabbed his jammed his asshole, and he yeah. runs it with his glowing lightning rod and stabs her, and now she's dead. He somehow knows that everyone's like the he somehow knows that the climax of the film is happening in the mirrored maze and so he just like it's weird because like you think he's dead for the whole movie up until this point yeah he's like shocked back alive comes running in and there's also a moment where the like the 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 lightning rod in his hand disappears before he stabs uh, pam greer but then he does stab her and then she just kind of goes like just like she gets troned out of existence yeah yeah so Dark's gonna put Jim on the car- the uh, carousel, and but Dad grabs carousel him progress. as another bolt of lightning hits that shit. And Dark gets zapped and starts freaking the fuck out. Jesus, talk about anticlimactic. Jesus, and then, fucking Christ. And then speaking of freaking out, Dad's like, "Hey, stop crying. You gotta be happy. They hate it. Whoop whoop, hope a do hope." And then that makes this, no sense in this movie because dad, that's not established like the, that that works. It's like the dad suddenly having a stroke. Because the victim, yeah. the, the 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 bad guy's already been dealt. I mean, well, he's not dead well, yet, but it, he's it, he's in the process of being dealt with. It's but it like, makes sense in the if this scene were to happen in the book, it makes sense because he figured out that. Well, that's that the, has their power. Weakness, yeah, that there's nothing in this movie that makes him think that happiness hurts them. It's like if joy at, and whatnot. It's like if at the end of the Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones suddenly like, like as the Nazis were being electrocuted and zapped up into heaven or hell or whatever. Indiana Jones suddenly <laughs> broke free his ropes and grabbed Mary and was like, yeah, we gotta do the Charleston! We, we, we gotta be it's happy the, in order to make sure the Nazis Nazi stay dead. Yeah. yeah, and it's just like, what? Like, it's so, just an added extra wrinkle to the story that didn't need it at the time, but you can see how this made more sense in another version of the story. Especially because, yeah. like, and I guess the, it's a little bit of a thing because Jason Robards, like, the, the whole movie, they're like, he's so sad and he's never happy, but now he's pretending to be happy? Well, fucking... Yeah, so I guess lightning strikes the, the the carousel, makes it go forward super fast, 
And so it ages yeah. Mr. Dark into a skeleton. He's getting more and more fucked up, looking horrified as the horses become real on there. And, and it's weird, too, because it's like he's being trampled by one of the horses a little bit. Yeah. And so it's extra. He's just flailing, and he can't get out from beneath the hoof of this horse that's not actually touching him. He's all like, yeah. la, la, la. And, yeah, it's super... And he just turns into a puppet and falls off the merry-go-round. <laughs> well, he turns up to a horrible corpse puppet, which is yeah. way more gruesome than you would expect to see in a Disney Then he movie. turns into just, like, scary haunted house, like, skeleton thing, and just, like, yeah. yeah. Literally, the prop just falls off the the, the carousel. Yeah, and then a, the, the little person comes, picks him up, and runs it, off. And you know what? I did like that, because that almost... The, the, he's so matter-of-fact about how he picks up his, his boss's body. Almost kind of suggests this is not the first time that this has happened. Yeah. And like, maybe like the, maybe sometimes this is how sometimes this cycle ends, and so Mr. Dark will be back someday. Who knows? But, yeah. Yeah. Because so the, the little the, guy is definitely not grieving or anything. He's just like, ah, well, I guess, I guess we got to get out of town. Yeah. So, uh... Oh my God. The storm fucking sucks everything up and 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 destroys the whole carnival and yeah. it go bye bye and our heroes escape and watch that shit get sucked up into the sky and then they run into town where Dad has found a new youth and the voiceover says that he was cool with being old now he had freed himself from the shadows and liberated the town he made a memory that would live as long as sons told sons about fathers they loved. Do you, and yeah. it's kind of a weaker ending, but uh, what you yeah, do? I don't know what they like off the top of my head. I can't suggest a better ending. I could see no. how this would have worked better on paper, but just the execution kind of fell apart. Yeah, uh, especially like I said, when you have your bad guy who's this ultimate like satanically evil bad guy, just like beneath a carousel horse, just going ah! helplessly like it almost been better if they didn't even like incorporate the idea that he's being trampled under a horse and just like but I guess they had to f explain why he like if he's being fucked up by the carousel why he just does doesn't hop off cuz just cuz mm. you're on the carousel doesn't mean you're locked onto it you could just jump off but I don't know it's it's kind of a mess I don't know if that was like like a reshoot or something like that but well in yeah. in, in the book it's actually Mr. Cougar that gets turned real old and it happens pretty early in the in the book oh yeah he gets basically mummified oh and wow the kids, okay the kids go and get like cops so it's a last crusade yeah they feel bad so they go and get like cops and ambulances and then the the uh carnival turns him into a sideshow the great like electric electrico or something like that oh, and okay. they yeah. they put him in a chair and zap him and his like mummified remains come to life like Jesus <laughs> And that's yeah, completely so. separate from the lightning rod guy being electrocuted. Yeah, he like I said, he gets swished down into a door. Oh, size that's and right. Into I forgot about. So they just kind of combine the two fates of those characters a little bit. Yeah. Weird. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's a weird movie, but I actually kind of liked it. Yeah, I liked no, it actually, more than I expected it to. Until the last five minutes, and even the actual actual ending of the movie, like the last thirty seconds, is fine. It's just like yeah, how Mister Dark is dealt with is just kind of. I kind of like how Mister Dark go gets. It's like, fine, up on the but cart. it's. Carousel. Like, you think it would take a little bit more, or the fact that, like, yeah, Jason Robarts only decides to be fake happy for no reason. Yeah, movie, that's a like, weird part. Yeah, it, that, that's the one part of the movie that, like, yeah, the, the cohesion kind of falls apart a little bit, but... Yeah, yeah, no, that's a surprisingly good little movie that no one ever es talks about. Especially for a 80s Disney live-action movie. That's a good point. Not known for their good shit. <laughs> Man, 80s... Aside from The Little Mermaid, the would this be the best Disney-produced film of the 80s? Maybe. I Unless don't, you got I don't a total hard-on about... for Tron. 
And then you know we don't because like, we did that. Yeah, no, yeah. Like, I guess, you, like, it's Tron. I got it. I can't remember what other... Like, you have stuff like Splash, but it's not under, under the Disney banner. Yeah. I guess you have, like, Roger Rabbit and the, you know, animated stuff was, like, Oliver Twist, Oliver and Company, and Little Mermaid and the Great Mouse Detective and the Black Cauldron and Fox and the Hound. Man, they produced so much crap in the 80s. <laughs> Jesus yeah. H. Christ. Um, yeah, I, I oof, liked it. Speaking of which... Um, yes? The movie was bombed by Vietnam. No. Uh, this movie was a huge bomb. It cost like $20 million and made like 30 cents at the box office. Uh, in fact, actually, the movie bombing is what finally got uh, Walt Disney's son-in-law... Uh, a dude named Ron Miller, who a lot of people uh, derisively refer to as Tron Miller, because mm-hmm. Tron was his whole thing. He thought he was going to save the company. He thought Tron was going to be Disney Star Wars. Um, but yeah, uh, something that Wicked This Way comes was the final nail in Ron Miller's uh, coffin at the studio, because he had made pretty much nothing but a never-ending stream of, of disasters for the studio, and so, yeah, the, uh, the this movie bombing is what gave Roy Disney, who was D- uh, Walt Disney's brother, the uh, muscle to be able to uh, get rid of uh, Ron Miller. Ron Miller only ever became the head of the company, because he got married to Walt Disney's daughter in, like, 1955. Uh, the only thing he had done up to that point, he had been, like, a high school football star. And so he had absolutely no credentials for being, a, like, a creative person or, like, in charge of a studio. But he was the guy who ascended to the, the head of the studio after Walt Disney died just because he was, you know, the, the, the he was the dude who was married to, like, Walt Disney's one kid. And, you know, so he just arbitrarily became in charge of the studio and he just fucked it up for 20 years. And so, but yeah, he got replaced by, it's uh, Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg, which five years after this wound up resulting in, you know, Roger Rabbit and uh, The Little Mermaid. So the seeds of Disney's future redemption are actually kind of planted by this movie in kind of a roundabout way. And, uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes was conceived as a seasonal sequel to Ray Bradbury's earlier novel, Dandelion Wine, which, yeah, like I said, is it's about two 12-year-old boys, but it's instead of being all autumnal themed, it's all but just, like, kids running around doing summer stuff. It's like that one episode of The Simpsons where the Simpsons get a pool, and yeah. it ends with, <laughs> <laughs> ends with Martin singing A Summer Wind. It's kind of like that, but a whole movie, or a whole book. There's not much mm. plot. Um, yeah, and the story for uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes was inspired by a carnival magician who Ray Bradbury met when he was a kid. The magician claimed that Bradbury was the reincarnated soul of a friend of the magician's who had died in World War I, and that Bradbury himself was doomed to live forever, quote-unquote. Which, that's kind of a fucked up thing to say to a kid. Yeah. You are the reincarnated—I can't say the word—reincarnated yes. soul of this dead person I know. Plus, you're immortal. Like, mm. that's that's some shit to lay on a kid. Um, and when pitching ideas to Gene Kelly for a movie Gene Kelly could star in, Bradbury remembered his run-in with that magician and wrote a screenplay about it. Presumably, the film would have been a song and dance musical with Kelly starring as the carnival magician. But every studio turned down the project. Ray Bradbury turned the story into a novel instead and made the carnival magician a villain. Hmm. 
And so it's kind of funny to think there was ever a version of the story where it's like Gene Kelly kind of being like Mary Poppins blowing into town saying, hey, kids, eh, look at my canned ham ass. Isn't it fantastic? <laughs> I'm going to sing you a song. I'm Mr. Dark. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly this film, oh, this is, yeah. Supposedly this film was due to have the first attempt to represent organic real-world objects represented as CGI uh, during the scene where the, 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 the carnival is built. But yeah, it looks so bad they cut it. And yeah, my last note is just about how, yeah, the original ending of the book was just um, the dad just uh, essentially killing everyone with laughter and good cheer. Yeah. And even in my notes, it's kind of like, really? <laughs> like, hard to believe. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that sounds anticlimactic, but... Um, yeah, well, I guess, again, Stephen King kind of ripping that off for it. The kids get out of uh, Pennywise's lair by fucking. <laughs> that's exactly the same which thing. Which is kind of the same thing. Kind of I mean, the they literally, that's thing. the kid orgy that everyone jokes about in, the, in, in that story, but... <sighs> yeah. Stories are weird. People are weird. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, so, yeah, something wicked this week. That, oh. that was a cool story. I need to read the book someday. Also, in the book, um... In the middle of the night, the boys are, instead of being attacked by a bunch of spiders, Will's chased by a balloon uh, that the witch is chasing him in, spraying him with... Uh, oh, like a hot air balloon. With, I thought he was being chased yeah, by a balloon. With, with goo. What? Is that like yeah. a sex goo? or Is it like ooze? No, it's like an ooze that into they use to, to mark the house so that the, they know what house they're in. I do appreciate... That the villain in I guess I guess both in the book and in the movie version is not omnipotent. Like yeah. he actually really does have to look for the kids. Like just because he's evil, he doesn't necessarily mean like like he knows everything that's going on in the town and stuff like. So it's nice to have a villain who's evil but still has some limits, even though he's magical and do all, can do all kinds of crazy shit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That was something wicked this way comes. I liked it. That's pretty good. I mean, I yeah. liked it enough to li- try and listen to the audiobook. Did you listen to all that just this week? Uh, today, actually. Oh, really? Jesus Christ. Well, yeah. well, you said it was like nine hours long, right? So you could do nine or that, eleven, that day. something like that. Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, I guess it's up to me next to decide what I want to do. I guess. I. You know what? The terrible thing is, we didn't. We haven't talked about this yet, but I think I've marked out both things I want to do for December, and neither of them are Christmas related, actually. Mm. It's not confirmed. I have to talk to you about it later, but um, and they're both superhero related too. Mm. If if I decide to pull the trigger, Condor on the two Man. Of, what's that? Condor Man. Condor Man. Puma Man. So no, good. Condor Man. Another Disney movie. Oh, uh, Condor Man. Yeah. Did we talk about the guy this before? Yeah, we did. It's starring the guy who played uh, the Phantom of the Opera in the original. Oh Broadway God, that's class. right. Yeah, I was gonna say because that sounds dimly familiar, but like you can remember you telling me about that. Um, uh, speaking, of, but in, in terms of 1980s Disney movies, how could you go wrong with Herbie Goes Bananas? Oh god, the Herbie or movies. the Last Flight of Lo- Noah's Ark. Wait, that's an or 80s the, movie. The Devil and Max Devlin. I remember seeing or, the. Yeah, okay. The Watcher in the Woods. <sighs> Condor Man, Night Crossing, Tex, Trench Coat. <laughs> what the hell? It sounds like you're making up movies now. Um. Uh, oh, we were talking about this last Natty week. Natty Gann. We were, when we were talking about... Oh, you know, I've heard good things about Natty Gann. Yeah, I have too. Uh, yeah. The, the, oh, what's that? Never Cry Wolf. Yeah. Is that, so that's only, 80s? I, my family watched... Yeah, my family watched Never Cry Wolf, and my only remembrance of that is there's a scene where he jumps off a cliff naked and you can totally see his donger. Oh, really? 
Yeah. In an 80s Disney film, that's actually... I could see yep. that, like, in an earlier era when you're not paying attention or people weren't so worried about kids seeing dongers, but... Well, yeah. yeah, I have some ideas about what I want to do next. It depends on... Let's put it this way. Uh-oh. <laughs> um... I'm thinking about either doing Watership Down or Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I have to decide mm. which. If people listening to this have a preference, let us know. Well, um, put, uh, put them both up for me to take a gander at, and I'll see if yeah. one's more interesting than the other. Yeah, so you've I... never seen either of them? No. Yeah, I have copies of both, actually. I just grabbed a copy of Watership Down right before we started recording, uh, which that that's why, I, I because I grabbed it so late, I didn't have a chance to check it out. I know it's super depressing and boring, but it would also tie into another movie I was thinking about doing this month. And uh, if I decide not to do that, and if I decide to do planes, trains, and automobiles instead, that might also lead me into doing, uh, kind of breaking the mold a little bit again with this podcast and doing a movie, a Harry Potter-related thing that only came out two years ago <laughs> in conjunction mm. with planes, trains, and that automobiles. That could be so many things, though. I, what could it be? What, what a Harry Potter-related thing came out two years ago and would be thematically linked to something, a new Harry Potter thing that's coming out this month in 2018. But, yeah, yeah I don't, well, we'll see. we got some ideas. It's better to have too many ideas than, than not any ideas at all, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep, but, so it could be yeah. anything. And so he's Madrid on Twitter, I'm the group of Jordan on Twitter, Tardy Podcast on Twitter, TardyPodcast.com, Tardy Podcast all the thing. And it's follow me on Twitter to see the severed head of, of Will, because I'm going to be <laughs> posting that shit. I would have posted it earlier, but I didn't want Bill to see it and go, okay, what? Yeah, no, okay, I'm glad the surprise was like, it. yeah, even though I seen this uh, bits of this movie as a kid, I never saw that moment. So I'm glad that, you know, it was surprised when I actually got to see it. Yeah, quite the surprise. Uh, yeah, and, uh... Which one of us is Will and which one of us is Jim? Oh, I don't I don't know that either of us are either. I mean, I guess I'd be Will because I'm kind of Neither a of us are follower. dark. No. I'm stupider, so that kind of makes me more Jim-like. <laughs> if we're t- just taking it back, if we're t- boiling it back down to p- smart versus stupid rather than dark mm. versus light, but yeah. Oh, I'm just as stupid as you. I just hide it better. Yeah, I did, I did yeah. As I said in my pile of toys and cats, I definitely, <laughs> I've, I've made some, I've made some odd life choices. Let's put it that way. Mm. But yeah, so that's yeah something that we get this week. Come, we'll decide sooner than later what we're gonna do for next week. Yeah, maybe I'll leave that up to slash audience slash uh, Daniel to decide. Yeah, where yeah. shall she? Yeah, we'll shall she. We'll, I guess, we'll Where's find out in seven days. Yes. Until next time. Do you hear the um, distant train? The choo-choo? Oh, choo-choo, choo-choo. Choo-choo. Oh, I'm, I'm excited to f- find out how much Kaleidope music you put in this episode. Hi, that was one of the first things I did when I woke up this morning. I was like, okay, Google <laughs> Kaleidope music. <laughs> hey, you know what doesn't exist? Star Wars Kaleidope music. Really? Have you looked? Yeah, I looked hard. <laughs> I would love to see a cut of Star Wars that really has all that majestic John Williams music. <laughs> like, it could still be the same melodies and everything. Like, it would be the same soundtrack, but just, you know, performed on a calliope. So it's just like, oh, God, that would be, oh, my God, that would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Well. The Pennywise the clown cut of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Anyway, okay, yeah, we'll wrap right, it up. Anyway. And yeah, thank anyway. you guys for listening. It's always really yep, appreciated. Thank you. Appreciate it. Share us around if you'd be so kind. Yeah. Because we're terrible doing that. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm terrible at it. 
You know, we, we, we really are the equivalent of just sitting in a town square just throwing handbills into the wind. <laughs> like, not really handing them to anybody in particular, just like, eh, here's a podcast if you want it, eh, Jason Robards, <laughs> eh, feel free to throw it in a fire later, who gives a shit? <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's, that's us. us. Yeah. At least we're well, not gonna, we may turn you prematurely old by listening. Well, that's not really... <sighs> I mean, saying that we're not gonna make you magically younger is not a selling point for the podcast but at least listen to our podcast it's not like anything bad's gonna happen it's not like you're suddenly gonna go blind yeah I don't know that lady's ugly (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to agree with the kid because that kid's an asshole but Jesus it is yeah that's what that that teacher's what the lady in monster squad should have looked like (laughs) it's oh I didn't think about what that the cat haired lady Yeah. yeah Okay, I'm glad to see we have that little bit of thematic unity between the projects then. Okay, I'm gonna finally shut up. Okay. Alright. Yep, until next time, keep filling your holes with power. We'll see you everybody. We'll see you next time. Okay, take care, guys.